honor and magnify you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us in shedding your blood, paying the price to redeem us from the power of sin that had captivated our lives and was driving us away from you towards eternal separation, but you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to break the power of that sin, to reconcile us to yourself, to set us on a brand new course, no longer of death and destruction and eternal separation, but of eternal life in relationship with you, our creator, in relationship with our Lord and our Savior, with our, in relationship with your spirit in our spirit. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. That you, the almighty God, nothing greater than you, nothing mightier, you loved us, broke the power of sin that we might fulfill our divine destiny. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful and thankful that you are here, not only present with us, but you live on the inside of each and every believer to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to translate the word into life for us, that we truly might live and experience all the power that the word contains, all the life that the word contains, the healing that the word contains, the deliverance that the word contains. You are here to execute that and make it life to us, not just something we read about and hope for, but something we experience as life. So we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. You know each person's situation and circumstance. Let each person have an encounter with you, Holy Spirit, today. Do what only you can do to touch their heart, to create change in their life, that we truly might walk with you in the place that you have us to walk, in the power, the demonstration, the wisdom, and the knowledge that comes only from walking with you every day in relationship. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. We thank you that when you are present, there's healing, there's deliverance. There's freedom. There's understanding. We thank you for utterance today to speak as we ought to speak. Father, we pray right now for those who are watching and those who are in this room concerning their bodies. We pray concerning healing in their bodies. We continue to stand for noble. Father, that the damage to that vertebrae would be miraculously healed. Every muscle, every nerve, every tendon. Every part of his body would be restored to health miraculously and strength. We agree with him and his family for that total restoration. We stand right now with those who are suffering from MS. We command the healing power of God to flow into their bodies. There would be miracle working power and what the enemy says and doctors even say cannot change. I thank you there will be miracle working power to bring restoration restoration and healing. Not just to stop the progression, thank God, but to bring healing and strength. We thank you for those recovering from COVID. We command lungs and blood and hearts. Everything that is damaged, we command the healing power of God to begin to flow. And just as that virus endeavored to stick to things and take over, the anointing of God would break that sticking point and begin to flow 
like the balm of Gilead from the top of their head to the soles of their feet to bring restoration and strength for the days ahead. That that which the enemy sought to bring destruction, to wear out, I thank you that you are restoring to life once again in strength. I thank you for each one that's gone through the last couple of years and may seem to be growing weary. I thank you, Lord, that you strengthen each one in their inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. That from the outside, that which has gone on to weary, I thank you that there's something much greater giving life to the inner man. That truly, though the outward man would perish, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And that life of the inward man being strengthened brings life to our mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells within. We thank you for deliverance from the worry and the stress that would wear us out. We thank you for deliverance from substance and abuse that would bind our life and try to redirect it towards death and destruction. I thank you, Father, that we can pray over this cloth right now, according to Acts, the 19th chapter. The healing anointing would flow into this cloth. It would begin to bring sight again. Those scales would fall off of their eyes. They would be able to see clearly as they ought to see by the anointing of the spirit of the living God. So we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for healing. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding that we might see the expectation of what we've been called to. We'd see the high calling. We'd count it as an expectation and a joy to walk in it every single day. We give you the praise, the glory, the honor, in the mighty, matchless, majestic name of Jesus. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? It is an awesome day to be alive. Come on now. It's an awesome day to be alive. Man, we live in the greatest day that the church has ever seen. Boy, that's just too weak. We live in the greatest day the church has ever seen. Come on, people were looking to our day. Writers were looking to our day. It's not a good day to look back. It's a good day to look at where we are and the potential that is in this day. If darkness is covering the earth and there's a potential for the church to arise and to shine, that those in darkness would be drawn to the brightness of our rising because the brightness of our rising is because the glory of the Lord rests on you. Come on, you can't wake up every day and look at it and go, oh God, Monday, Monday. Can't trust that day. You got to wake up and say, Monday, this is the day the Lord has made for me. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. I'm going to look for opportunities today to shine with the glory of the Lord. I'm going to look for opportunities today to do what God has called me to do. There will be adversity, but thank God he's caused us to overcome. He's made you more than a conqueror through him who loved We can wake up and say, thank God. He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And in that triumph, he releases a fragrance of the knowledge of himself everywhere we go. Amen. So it's an awesome day to be with the saints of God in this day. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody next to you say, by the authority of God's word, you're not my problem. Come on, we're living in a day where everybody's trying to figure out 
Somebody else is their problem. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And even though that's who we wrestle against, God gave us his full armor to stand against the strategies of the enemy. So if we look around and we don't consider people as our problem, we know that the enemy's our problem, then we should rejoice because God's given us everything that we have need of to stand against the strategies of the enemy and still come out victorious. Come on, now that's the good news. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad to be with you. I just have to echo uh, what Pastor Tasha said. We're always humbled and uh, honored. And so uh, we thank you so much for all of your cards and your letters and your gifts to us as your pastors. We could not uh, do it without you. And uh, we mean that with all sincerity. It, it's, a, uh, it's been a revelation for a long time, continues to be a revelation. We could not do it by ourselves. We thank God for the Holy Spirit and we thank God for you. And uh, so, uh, so many kind words spoken uh, to us, and we are thankful for that and uh, look forward to what God is doing and will continue to do uh, uh, in your life, in us as a church, and through us even more so, uh, the excitement. Because as we join together and we have the word of God, there's so much left to be done. So many people to be reached with the message and with the power of God. Amen. So many people who are bound that really, you know, the message comes, but God wants to say, listen, I'm going to give you some evidence that I'm alive from the dead. And uh, we, the church, carry that evidence because we're alive from the deadness of sin and we carry supernatural anointing on our lives. And you carry a supernatural anointing on your life. And it helps you to overcome, but it also is something that you can impart to others through the laying on of hands, through prayer. And uh, so what an awesome time uh, to be with you. What an awesome time to be in the church uh, for this generation. Amen. So we thank you so much for that. Open your Bibles, excuse me, to Romans, the fifth chapter. And uh, we have been talking about PPE, uh, patience, perseverance, and endurance. I believe that we are in a growing season. We don't want to miss that growing season. You'll get uh, tired of me saying this, but I believe it's true no matter what station that we are in life, that uh, God is preparing you. He's preparing us as a church for things that he has prepared for us. And there's things that he has for you that are awesome. There's things that he has for us to do. He has for you to do that are incredible. They're exploits that God wants to do through us. And he's working to prepare us for something that's bigger than ourselves, something that we really couldn't do on our own and really we couldn't do corporately without the Holy Spirit. And so he's constantly preparing us. Why? Well, we've done great things. Haven't we seen some great things? Can't we just retire and sit back? No, because he's taking us from glory to glory. He's taking us from one degree of glory to the next. As Alan was saying about the offering, he wants to increase more and more. In every area of our life, he wants to increase more and more. He wants to do things in you to be representative of the kingdom of God. He wants us to really understand that we are ambassadors of Jesus wherever we go. We represent him wherever we go. And so he's continuing at whatever level that we are at, 
we can do that, but he wants to increase that level. He wants to increase that influence in our lives. And it's really a great thing because the more that happens, the more we understand, you know, what we think we know, we find out, well, we didn't know as much as we thought we knew. There's so much more of God to be known. And so what we've accomplished, God even has more so that people can come to know him and know his goodness. And if they see it in you, they'll believe at some degree that they could have it in their own life. Because even though, you know, you think you're special and we want to be special and we want to, to, you know, God to do something special, when people look at you, you're not as special as you think you are. They just kind of think you're ordinary until they see something that God's doing and they say there's something different there. There's something different being developed in our lives. We trust that somebody says that's not just normal. There's something at work there that's changed them from who they used to be to someone just a little bit different, or we could say a lot different. And so really, when we come to that place through time, we, we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We repent, right? In order to, to get to that place, sometimes we miss it, but we repent. We were on a road of sin and death. We were on a road that we were walking that was dictated, the, uh, Ephesians 2 says, by the prince of the power of the air. The one that works in the sons of disobedience where we used to live. We used to live in that disobedience that Adam took place and in sin. And so in order to get the different kind of life and quality of life, we have to say, I repent of the direction that I'm going. And Jesus, I make you supreme authority. I make you Lord of my life. So I lay down the old way of life and I repent and I turn to a new way of life. And so... Jesus comes into our heart, and he creates a whole new life. We're born again. And so now we're on a road. We shouldn't turn back and say, well, now I'll just keep living the same kind of life till I get to heaven. No, he says, there's a new life, that we stop living the old life. And so through the process of time, what you believe about that new life will be challenged. And as the enemy challenges, we just begin to sit back and we begin to say, you know what? I'm going to be patient with this growth. I'm going to stay in the word of God until my belief down in my spirit grabs a hold of that. Till faith comes. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when the trying of our faith works patience and patience has a perfect work. So that when we come out in tests and trials of our faith, we're complete and entire, lacking nothing. We have a great confidence in God in every situation that we have. And so we have to stay with it. Patience isn't like I'm going to wait for God to do something. No, we're continuing to press into the word of God. We're continuing. If we find out the test came and we trusted in, in man, we trusted in the arm of our flesh, we trusted in uh, you know, money to do the thing, we trusted in government, we go back and we begin to study the word until we fully believe that God has the answer, that he's well able to perform that which he promised, that he is at work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure, that he's in empowering us to do exploits for our God. And we believe that with all of our hearts. But then we're going to encounter situations of life that are longer spread. They're not just tests that come and we go, well, I believe or I don't. But there's a period of time that now there's that development of the characteristics of Jesus within our life. And so Romans chapter 5, we've been talking about this uh, 
a little bit. Romans, the fifth chapter, the first verse, it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, praise the Lord. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've been justified. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven by faith in him. We have peace with God. He's joined us. We're no longer foreigners and strangers. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice. Man, we're saved. Man, we have an expectation of the glory of God. We rejoice. I mean, we wake up in the morning, we should rejoice. Man, we have a hope in the glory of God. But Paul goes on to say something. He says, we also, he said, and not only that, but we also glory in trouble or tribulation. Knowing, see, Paul said you got to know something. If you're going to glory when there's trouble, you got to know something. You got to know something's happening. He said, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He said right here, and if you break this down just a little bit, he said that there's difficulty that comes, and as we persevere, because it takes time sometimes to get through trouble, and so there's that perseverance that is developed, that character of perseverance that's developed, but he says that perseverance, being able to stay with it even through trouble, believing God, applying the word of God, even in the midst of trouble, starts to develop something in you that the Bible calls proven character. It's one thing to say, I am who God said I am, and confess that's another thing to allow that in trouble to develop to be who God's called us to be, that the blood of Jesus has purchased for us to be. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, but I trust in the Lord, Paul is talking here, I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ, uh, Christ Jesus. Right? So he said, listen, I could send a lot of people to you, but they would be on their own assignment. They would be selfish. But he said, I'm going to send Timothy to you, but you know his proven character. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So it says right here that he proved, he had that proven character. Timothy had gone through some things with Paul And now Paul could send him to be a representative of Jesus Christ to this church and also of the gospel that Paul was preaching to them. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, we looked at this, but let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons and being found blameless. He goes on to just talk about instructing Timothy as Timothy was pastoring the church at Ephesus. He says, as you appoint leadership... He said, let the leadership and and, and even the helpers, the deacons who will help serve people as you go, let them be tested in their life. He said, you know, he goes on to say, if you just take somebody who's not tested, you put a novice in office, he said, the chance of them being lifted up in pride, right? Well, pride is something that shows that our character of humility is not developed yet. So he said, let people be tested. What's going on in the midst of that test? During that time of testing, we should be developing our 
character. And when our character is developed, we become a stronger witness, a stronger representative of who Jesus is. We also don't get caught in situations that really create more and more trouble as we try to uh, shade over or not do really what character demands that we would do. And so uh, we talked about this, and we won't go over this uh, today, but we talked about that really, how do you get tested, that proving ground that every we come into. Well, we'll always have this proving ground of small things. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, listen, if you'll be faithful in what is least, then you'll be faithful in what is much. He said, if you'll be faithful in what is another man's, somebody will give you your own. If you're faithful in unrighteous mammon, then God could give you, you true riches. He he said, there's something about this that if you're not faithful, you think, well, I'll just get through this. It's no big deal if I do this small thing. It's not good. If, it doesn't matter if I, I do it well or with, with excellence or not do it. It's just a little thing. Jesus said, your character is being tested because really, if you won't do the little thing with a humble attitude and do the best that you can for the person who's giving you that little thing, he said, you actually, even though you think you will, you won't do it in much. I didn't say that. Jesus did. He said, if you're not faithful in what is least, you'll not be faithful in much. So he's preparing us for what he's prepared for us. When we talk about increase, he really desires for us to have much so that we can utilize much in such a way that would be a blessing to the kingdom of God. But if we never allow ourselves to be faithful with little, We'll struggle, we'll get frustrated, we'll try to get much for ourselves rather than allow God to put more and more in our hands as we develop. Because if you're not faithful with little and you get much, much will occupy you. But if you're faithful with the little things and you multiply, like the, the servants with the talents, you multiply what was little into much, then you've already had a hand in something that's more. And so then you just move up and you take care of that. It develops more. And so you're in a process of developing the character to handle much more than you ever dreamed that you would handle. And in those ways, that's how we become understanding of we are blessed to be a blessing. Because sometimes when we start with little, we're just trying to get blessed. But as we handle it well, we realize, oh, this blessing can be for me and multiplied to be a blessing to someone else. So he said that test of the small things. Many people fall out right there in the test of the small things. They don't want to do something. They have some pride. It, it just goes over their head. The second thing that we talked about is motive. Your motive is going to be tested time and time again. Why do you do what you do? Why are you doing that? Are we doing it to be an influence to somebody else? Are we doing it because we love people? Are we doing it just for ourselves? Why do we come to church? Why do we praise God? Why do we give? Why do we do the things that we do? There's a lot of reasons, but if we don't get right down to what the Word of God tells us about these things, you know, we can come for, uh, uh, you know, we, I come here to praise God because the music's good. Well, we should praise God because he's worthy of praise. He's the almighty God. Whether the music's good or the music's bad, we come to praise him because he's worthy of praise. Amen. Many things come from that. Many things we get to enjoy. Thank God when the music is good. But we can praise him, right? We can praise him in the desert. We can praise him in the sanctuary. We can praise him in the morning. We can praise him in the noontime. When we're praising for his excellent greatness... 
doesn't matter what's going on with us. When our motive is that we praise him for his excellent greatness, then all of his greatness of who he is starts to ride and be enthroned on your praises and makes a huge difference. But sometimes we praise him because we think praising him will just get him to go. But when you start praising him for his greatness, there's no stopping what his greatness will do in our life. So we have to allow that, that test or that challenge daily of what is our motivation. And it's easy to say what your motivation is, but it, it, a time goes by and all of a sudden it can be revealed. I just want to do this for people. And when people don't recognize you know, oh, you or give you the proper uh, uh, praise for what you've done, and now I'm not going to do it anymore because nobody noticed. Now, why did we really do it? Jesus comes down to motive. He says, what are you doing? Why, why are you giving people simply to get in return? He says, I challenge you to give without expecting to get something in return. Come on, now that's a challenge. Jesus put some real challenges out there. Come on, to do something out of a pure motive and not expect something in return. That's not to say that we shouldn't return thanks. We shouldn't do things for people, right? But when we're doing it, what is our motive? What's our motive? Why do we do what we do? I want to talk a little bit about uh, our credibility. You know, people are watching every day and, and really beginning to uh, look at us as believers in the world that we live in and uh, wondering, you know, are we credible as believers? Can we live out the life that we say that we have? The word credible just means uh, to be believable. Can we be believable as the declaration that we are redeemed, that we're sons and daughters of God, that our life has been changed, that sin has been broken over our life? Can we begin to live a life and develop the credibility of that message? And really, credibility is just a, a, a compiling or a compilation of, we'll just use three things. It's probably got more than that, but uh, these three things, what I do, who I am, and how others view me. Your credibility is comprised of what you do, who you are, and how others view you, right? So when we get to that place of understanding, uh, I need to have a real idea of what it is that I'm doing, my motive, all the things that I'm doing, who I really am. Who am I? Am I just a, a sum of what I do, or am, am I who God says I am? And what I do really comes from that place. And then how do people see me? You know, a couple of years ago, well, I don't, yeah, it's probably a couple of years ago now, we're going through a process. We uh, engaged with um, a, a leadership team that was helping us, and we took a, a, a survey. You know, you have a lot of personality studies, uh, but we took a behavioral study. And so when you take this behavioral study, you have to answer questions, but you have to give it to six other people. Praise the Lord. And so uh, you get to see what six other people, you don't know who, who said what, but you get to see what other six other people think about you. And so, you know, sometimes you all think the same, and that's not always so great uh, when you look at that. And sometimes you think yourself this way, and somebody thinks you over clear over here. 
And so there's a gap sometimes about what others think of you and what you think of yourself. And so it's an eye-opener. I want to say, right, Tasha? But um, I'm just trying to stay with us. (laughs) No, we've talked about it both. Like, you know, you look at that thing and you're like, I'm wondering who said that right there. I'm wondering who said that right there. But they don't tell you who said that because the point is you need to know how other people view you so that you can deal with that so you can communicate to them in a different way. Why? Why would leadership uh, people do that for businesses and business leaders and church leaders? Why would they do that? Because it's so important in our credibility to understand how people view you. And when we begin to do that and say, listen, I want to be credible. I want to be believable in the things that I'm presenting. Because as believers, as Christians, we are representing Christ. And so we want to be believable that what Jesus has done for us in forgiving our sin, in changing our life, in breaking the power of sin over our life, that we represent that in a fashion that's believable. Not that we're perfect, but we're moving forward. Things are being changed in our life. They're being developed. There's something different. There's actually produce from the righteousness that we have. And that's so important because what we represent and make believable when people can believe that if he did it for you, he'll do it for them, people start getting born again. And we want to be believable. We want to be believable. Amen. And so uh, these things, really, we want to look at and understand the things that we want to develop in our life as we walk through and begin to look at and say, you know what, things are challenging my, my credibility. I want to be believable. There's three areas that we'll, we'll look at. We'll just talk about real quickly. There's the credibility of competence. The credibility of competence. Can you do what you say you can do? Can you do what you say you can do? Come on, sometimes we, we work really hard at being a good interviewer, Right? And then all of a sudden you get hired and you can't do what you say you can do. That creates kind of a problem. Right? And so uh, this credibility test that comes and says, can you really do what you say you can do? Sometimes, you know, we get excited. We hear a message. We know what God can do through us and we do some things. But really there's that place of saying, you know what? If, if it's not happening like I thought it would happen, I need to go back, build my faith so that I'm walking in and doing what the word says that I can do. Right? If we stepped out and said, yeah, I can't do that, we go back and say, yes, I can. And we develop the skill. We develop the knowledge. We develop the faith to step out and to begin to do what God said we can do by faith in God. It begins to be an incredible part. Sometimes we get afraid. Anybody been afraid to lay hands on the sick? You're like, I don't know. Can I do what I'm about to say we can do? Well, listen, the Bible just says you have to lay hands on the sick. Then the sick will recover. But if we're all of a sudden drawing back and we're not sure of the credibility of God's word, we're not sure of us carrying the credibility of that, we'll draw back. But the more we understand, the more we know we have confidence in him. That we lay hands on the sick and we have confidence that the sick will recover. You know, you say, has everybody you laid hands on recovered? Well, uh, it doesn't appear to be so. 
But I still believe because I've seen enough recover. But we'll never stop laying hands on the sick. Amen. And the ones that don't recover, then we dive in. We begin to pray. We don't begin to just get our mind off and say, well, maybe it's not my. We dig in. God, where, how do we get in deeper so that we're seeing the results? When you go to work, don't just, I mean, prove. You can do what you say you can do at the highest level. Well, it brings promotion, but it also brings an influence on what God's doing in your life. Because he says we should work unto God and not unto men. We do it the best that we can. There's a credibility of personality. Are you who you portray to others that you are? Right? Are you putting on a facade? Or are we who we say that we are? Are we one thing in church and one thing out in the world? What are we? What is that? credibility of our personality. How, how do we present ourselves? It's very important. I mean, if you, uh, I, I don't know exactly how to say this. I'll be very cautious. But you can have the, uh, uh, you can have life-changing policies, but your personality can mess up what you're set out to do. And you can have a really good personality and really cruddy policies and mess up a lot. But that credibility of personality caused everybody to buy into what you were doing. Credibility of personality, how you present yourself for who you are is incredible. Think, well, it doesn't matter. Sure it does. It matters at how we can open up people's hearts, how we engage people in that conversation to bring Jesus and the love of God to them. So we're always being checked out. Can we be believable? Are we credible in what we're doing? Not only in life, this carries over into our job, whatever we're doing, but can we be credible? Can we allow the word of God and can we uh, persevere some situations in time to really find out and, and present ourselves as credible through the word of God and our personality and what God's doing in us and that God's working in us? That credibility of character. When it's tested, do we really have honor? Do we really have integrity? Right? Do we have that developed in us that whether people are watching us or they're not watching us, we're consistent in our character? One person defined it like this. He said, your true character is what you're doing when nobody's watching We've developed that. There is a credibility that our character holds wherever we are and whatever we do. We have the honor. We have the, the integrity. We have the courage, uh, whether people are watching or not. We're not just putting out there that facade. We're not just trying to look good for a certain group of people, but we carry the integrity. We carry the honor with us everywhere we go. It's important to be credible. God worked on it. We see it all through scripture. We see that Joshua worked 40 years, talking about perseverance. He worked 40 years and developed his character. And his credibility of character led 3 million people into the promised land. 
Come on, there was a large credibility that had to be seen by the children of Israel that Joshua continued to walk with Moses and he persevered situations and he stayed in prayer. Why? So he could be a credible leader to the children of Israel as he took them from the wilderness to the promised land. And it didn't happen overnight. It took perseverance. It took development of his character. Joseph, a man who would deliver God's people from a drought had to persevere. He had to persevere being hated by his brothers and thrown into a pit. He had to persevere through just being a simple slave and proving his character to become the top slave and number one in Potiphar's house. All the while developing the character and showing forth the character of God and being falsely accused of rape and thrown in prison. But he persevered that and continued to keep his character developing. Why? Because he was about to stand second to Pharaoh and change even Egypt through a time of benefit where they would have spent everything. But God said, you save it because we're going to save a generation. But if he would have only been looking at himself and not the future that God showed him, and God showed him something and said, I'm going to prepare you for what I've prepared for you so you can occupy it. And his preparation time probably did not look like he thought it would look. (laughs) Come on, but through time, he persevered and his character was developed, and he arose to the place of character that he was able to be trusted by the Egyptian leader and bring salvation to the people of Israel, to his own family, and save a people. Elisha, there's some some question there. Elisha served Elijah for somewhere around 15 years. What was he doing? He's learning. There was other prophets. There were schools of the prophets. They knew what was going on, but he stayed close. Why? Because he had the mantle of Elijah placed upon him. And he knew and he had developed the character. He had served Elijah for somewhere around 15 years. And when his opportunity came to say, why don't you just stay here? You've been serving. Why don't you just stay back? He said, not on your life. I haven't served you for 15 years to set up my own ministry right now and just stay right here. He said, I know what's going on with you. I've watched. As I've watched and I've served you, Just as we see Timothy serve Paul, he said, I've watched. I've watched you go through things by the power of God. I've watched God speak to you. I've watched God's hand be upon you. I've watched what it takes to develop that character to withstand the disgruntledness of the children of Israel and they're they're going against God's word. When you speak it to them, how do you stay with them? And it would have been easy to say, you know what, I'll stay behind today. I'll stay behind. He said, man, I'm not staying behind. I'm sticking with you. I mean, he stuck with him to the point that Elijah said, what, what do you want? Why? <laughs> Come on. Quit sticking so close. What do you want? He said, I want double what you have. Now, listen, do you think that if he was not, had not built his character, That Elisha, even though Elisha said, this is a tough thing because I really can't give that to you. God has to give it to you. But if he didn't build character, that Elisha would have even thought of it, he would have just said, you can't handle double. 
Jesus himself, when he was 12 years old, said, I got to be about my father's business. I got to be about my father's business. I see who I am. I got to get busy. Mom and dad had gone two days journey away, found out Jesus wasn't there. Gone back two days to find Jesus. I mean, how do you treat your kids when you lose them in the grocery store? Come on, you stay with me. Where'd you go? They left Jesus behind for two days. I think they were a little upset. And they walked in and said, Jesus, Jesus like, oh, hey. They said, we, you have caused us great concern. And he wasn't being a rebellious kid. He just said, why? I must be about my father's business. And they said, well, your father's business right now is to come home with us. And Jesus knew that. And he came home. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, and he submitted to them for how long? 18 years. 18 years he submitted to his leaders to develop the character needed the credibility needed as he went out to minister. He grew in those 18 years in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. Developing credibility is important so that we can minister to the people out there and be credible as to who we are and who God's called us to be. Praise the Lord. Every day we go through different types of tests. We begin to walk through things that we don't even recognize if we're not careful. The reason we're talking about this is because we quit before the test is over. We bail because we're not recognizing it. Instead of persevering and saying, you know what? Something's going on here. This perseverance, this difficulty is something that I know I need to stick with it. I'm staying here because God's doing something. He's developing something in me through this for the things that are ahead. That what I'm going to do when I step into this place, I'm going to be credible to lead others. And so we stay in that test. So we know how to just engage in the small things that present themselves to us. We know how to examine our motivation honestly and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? And the moment we get our motivation right, we'll stop doing a lot of things that we don't even know why we're doing them. That usually creates trouble. And when you think about motivation, you know, parents, just talking to parents right now, how many times have things gone wrong and you ask your kids, why did you do that? And they said, I don't know. Why did you do something if you didn't even know why you were doing it? I don't know. Yet we as grown-ups began to get in situations and if God was to ask us, why did you do that? What was your motivation? I don't know. I just got swept along. Or I was motivated by what other people were saying. Or I was motivated by, by the glitz and the gl glimmer and the glamour of it. I, I was motivated by what it would produce for me. But when it comes down to the trouble, we're like, I don't know. He says, listen, if you can come right down and know what motivates you to do what you do, things really start to move. And when they start to move and we know what our motivation is, we begin to work and understand it's no big deal to understand that our credibility is important. That wherever we go, we're endeavoring to be believable because we're endeavoring to be a blessing and share a message of truth and of life and of power with people around us. 
We'll talk next week about a couple of other things, and then we'll close off this series of messages. But really, there's just things to understand that daily we come in contact with and deal with it. If we can understand, listen, I'm being tested right now, and how am I responding? Am I responding with the new life that is on the inside of me? Or am I responding like the same old person I've always responded like? Begins to tell us that there is something going on, and if we stay with it, he will complete what he started. He's faithful to complete the transformation that he started. If we understand time, we're patient, we persevere, trouble, and watch character be developed. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy that endures forever and ever and ever. Holy Spirit, teach us. Give us an awareness of your presence wherever we go. You're not just around us. You live on the inside of us. Remind us to get into the word and build our faith. Hearts' desires begin to yearn to develop this character and move through situations that try our faith with faith so that we complete that test well. Lead us, guide us, and teach us. We begin to move into a situation that we don't like. It's uncomfortable. Show us what you can do in that in developing our character so that we stay with it and we don't bail and we don't just look for relief, but we look for the produce that will come out of walking through it, applying the word of God and allowing you to develop in us that which you are working to develop. We thank you that you're ever working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. We set our hearts to yield to that working that we truly might grow as followers of Jesus Christ. As we go out into a lost and a dying world that we truly represent you with all the honor, with all the integrity, with the courage, with the humility, with the love that you would present to those who are out lost and dying. Make us aware of that, I pray. If there's anyone here this morning you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a brand new life for you to be had, for you to have through Jesus Christ. If you don't know him and you've been struggling with life and things haven't been turning out and you don't know what to do or where to go, Jesus came and he gave his life so that you could be joined to God, that your sin could be forgiven and that you could have a brand new life, not held under the condemnation that sin would bring or the shame of the mistakes that you've made, but he'll wash that away, set you on a brand new course. If you make him the Lord of your life, he'll be the supreme authority and he'll begin to guide and direct your life. And as you obey him, you'll begin to walk through situations of life and see the power of God working in you, the love of God and what his righteousness will do on the inside of you. If there's anyone here today or anyone watching, you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Today is your day. Jesus died to wash the old things away so that you could have a brand new life, a new kind of life, a new quality of life with him. Anybody at all to make Jesus the Lord of your life in this room? Why don't you all stand up? Perchance, anyone who's watching by live stream, 
and you would say, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. This is my day. We're going to pray this prayer together. And you join us if you're watching with us. Because I believe God's dealing with your heart to make a change this day. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins, God raised him from the dead so that you could be forgiven and have a relationship with him. And you call him the Lord of your life and ask him into your heart. He'll forgive your sin. You repent. You turn different to follow God and not follow after your ways or the ways of the world. He'll begin as Lord to guide and direct your life in this relationship with him into all that he's promised you. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning ready to lay down my life, to repent of my sin, and to turn to you. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead so that I could be forgiven. And so this morning, Jesus, I call you Lord. I yield my life to you. I ask you to come into my heart and direct my path and give me freedom from sin. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, praise the Lord. We want you to uh, go online, uh, go to the tab that says tell your story, uh, and we want to know that you uh, receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. We'll send you a small gift that will help you along your way as you begin to live with him and for him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Christ Jesus. Far exceed.